0: Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for accepting our invitation for this Bible study and reflection for December 7th, 2022. In observance of Pearl Harbor Day today, please join me in remembering the 2,403 service members and civilians who were killed during the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor on December 7th, 1941 and also the 1178 people that were injured in the attack. Let us never take anyone that has served our country and preserved our freedom for granted. Now let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace be with you. Let us pray. Almighty and most merciful God, We confess that we are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. Thank you for the gift of your Son to free us from the penalty of sin. Help us to never take that gift for granted. We lift up this prayer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, so you may have uh, discerned that our theme today or subject for This Bible study and reflection is taking things for granted or not taking things for granted. So what are some things in our everyday lives that we can easily take for granted? How about when you wake up in the morning and it's dark in your room and you successfully shuffle to your bathroom to begin your morning routine? Probably the first thing you do is reach for the light switch and assume when you flip it up, the light will come on. We take that for granted. Well, since we're in the bathroom now and you're getting ready to brush your teeth, what is something that you reach for? How about the handle that controls the flow of water in your vanity sink? I know there are probably some of you that don't take this for granted and are very thankful every time you see the water flowing, but I must admit that I am guilty of taking that water for granted more often than not. Also, do we take for granted the relative safety and comfort of the country we live in? Do we live in fear of religious persecution, or do we take that for granted? So today I want to share with you an excerpt from a book that I read in the past. The book was recommended by my pastor, Tony Metz. The title is The Insanity of God, and the name of the author is Nick Ripkin. And that's N-I-K-R-I-P-K-E-N. I can highly recommend this book, but it comes with a warning, which is best summed up by one of the reviews I read. And I quote, What can I possibly say about this book? It completely and utterly wrecked me. Half the time I found myself sitting in heartbreaking silence on the verge of tears and the other half, I found myself wanting to shout and dance over some of the stories. No one will read this book and be the same person after the last page. If you want a front row seat to the raw, potent, heart-transforming power of Jesus, this book is a must-read. And just a little background, Nick Ripkin and his wife Ruth were, and maybe still are, missionaries in many different locations around the world, and his book tells of many of those missions. The following story centers around an interview that Ripken had with some folks, and he begins with one verse of scripture, John 15 verse 20, If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. And I'll begin the story that he tells, quote, they admitted to being confused. They were pastors and lay leaders who had endured decades of persecution within the now failing USSR. They had agreed to share their personal, family, and church stories with the broader Christian community. They had agreed to be interviewed, hoping to help churches, sending bodies, and missionaries in the West develop a more biblical missiology of suffering for themselves. These pastors and lay leaders were personally and intimately conversant with persecution, suffering, and martyrdom. The confusion surfaced near the end of a series of interviews. Life histories had been shared. Stories of persecution had been recited and documented. Tears had been shed. Events had been dissected, and, admittedly, the testimonies were very compelling. It seemed to the interviewer that this was the stuff of Scripture. It seemed that he was hearing Bible stories come to life in his own time. And that's when the moment of confusion came. It was the interviewer who asked the question, It wasn't a very professional question, and it wasn't well-planned, but he was compelled to ask. He simply couldn't help himself. After hearing story after gripping story, he virtually accosted this group of pastors and lay leaders with this question. Why have you cheated us in the West, he demanded. Why haven't you written these stories down? Where are the books that chronicle your faith and persecution? These stories are worthy of a movie. These are Bible stories come to life. Why have you not recorded these events? Why have you not shared these lessons learned? Why have you cheated us in the West? His outburst was greeted with confused silence. The pastors and lay leaders were dumbfounded. Most of the people there simply ignored the embarrassing questions and the harshness of the challenge. There was only silence. But finally one brother stood up, took the interviewer by the arm, and drew him to the end of the large room. There they stood by the eastern window of the dwelling, looking out at the horizon. The man spoke calmly to the interviewer. "Sir," he said when your sons were growing up, how many mornings did you take them to the window of your house and say to them, look boys, the sun is coming up in the east this morning. The interviewer found the question silly. Well, I never once did that, he answered. Had I done that, my sons would have thought I'd lost my mind, because the sun always comes up in the east. Gently, the wise brother made his point. Sir, He said, that is why we talk little of our persecution and suffering. That is why we have not written our stories down. And that is why we have not made a movie. Our persecution is always with us. It simply comes as we walk with Jesus. It is like the sun coming up in the east. Besides, he continued, when did you Christians in the West stop reading the Bible? Our stories have already been told. God has already told us all what we need to know about persecution and suffering. To say the interviewer was deeply humbled belabors the obvious. But the truth had found a way into his heart, and he was changed that day. What kind of person, what kind of person sees persecution as biblical, normal, expected, and hardly worth mentioning. Clearly, a person who is steeped in the story of scripture and well acquainted with God. We would be wise to listen and learn the lessons, end quote. All right, I got a question for you. How many Bibles do you have at home? Well, sitting here at my desk, I just counted at least a dozen on my bookshelves, not including the ones that Laurel has in various places around our home. You know, I've never really thought about it, but I guess I do take for granted that I have the freedom to purchase a Bible if I want to, or download it on any of my electronic advices. Do you ever ponder as to whether others around the world share the same freedom we have? In one of Ripken's missionary trips to China, he tells of the story of a group of underground church leaders meeting and at the end of the meeting 50 plus church leaders were walking around and appeared to be tearing apart seven Bibles. Ripkin said he was appalled until he walked up and asked them what they were doing and they explained between the 50 plus church leaders they only had seven Bibles. So they were making sure that each one had at least one book of the Bible in their possession to take back and share with their own underground congregations. They did not have the freedom to own books, listen to Christian music on radio stations, or watch anything Christian-related on television. The greatest story ever told. It's in the book we call the Holy Bible. Most of us, myself included, take it for granted that we can go out and purchase that book. That's good news, the fact that we can. The bad news is not enough of us open those Bibles and actually read that unified story that leads to Jesus. You know, it has been said that Satan's intent is quite simply denying the world access to Jesus. Satan's greatest desire is for the people of this planet to leave Jesus alone. He desires that we turn away from Jesus, or that we never find him in the first place. Quite often when Dr. Ripkin was speaking and sharing with Western churches, he is often asked if he believes that persecution is coming to America. His response is often rather pointed. He says, and I quote, Sincerely, why would Satan want to wake us up when he already has us shut up? Why would Satan bother us when we are already accomplishing his goal? He will likely conclude that it is better to let us sleep End quote. A next reading of Scripture comes from the book of Matthew 28:19. This is known as the Great Commission. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. One of Ripkin's friends he met on one of his mission trips said he understood both spiritual battle being waged and the significance of the decisions to be made. He said he took great joy that he was suffering in his country so that he could be free to witness in our country. And then he raised his voice to say, don't you ever give up in freedom what we would never give up in persecution. And that is our witness to the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was his great commission, if you will. You and I make the decision each morning, will I exercise my freedom to witness for Jesus today or will I be silent? Some 2000 years ago, God visited earth in the form of a human named Jesus. Jesus was fully divine and also fully human. His story is told in God's Word, the book we refer to as the Bible. Now, I've been a Christian all my life and was introduced to Jesus at a very young age. There is no denying the fact that the Holy Spirit has been actively working in me my entire life. However, I was not actively strengthening my relationship with Jesus until about 11 years ago. I have found that through reading Scripture with prayerful discernment, My relationship with Jesus has grown and strengthened and will continue to do so. My Bible reading and study became something I started, some might say, late in life. Do I have any regrets? No, I don't. But I would have a bit of advice to offer, and that would be for everyone, regardless of age. Make daily Bible reading and study part of your life. In the words of my pastor and friend Tony Metz, it will be life changing. I promise you. There are estimated to be 7 billion Bibles in print around the world. And now, in the digital era, there are many Bibles available free of charge to download on all of your electronic devices and computers. Some of us may tend to think we, quote, haven't made, end quote, here in America sadly having it made can insidiously lull us into believing that we are just fine without a creator and or savior the bible is not an instruction manual but it is a wonderful story of creation human failings and god's rescue mission in and through his son jesus christ it is a story that shows how much he loves us and the price he was willing to pay As most of you know, I came from a large family. I'm the oldest of five boys in our family. I still have three living brothers. Each year for the past 35 years, our family has been getting together for a long weekend of what we have termed family-ing. Over the years, our family has grown to the point where we have approximately 35 family members staying together for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday night in one house. Yep, in one house. It is almost indescribable what this time together means for our family. I think even to the youngest in the family, no one takes the importance of our love for each other and the time spent together for granted. Human love is certainly not perfect, but God's love is, and we should never take it for granted. Jesus summed it up very well when asked a question by the Pharisees. Listen to the question and the answer Jesus gives. This answer was not only true 2,000 years ago, it is certainly true today. This reading comes from Matthew 22, verses 36 through 38. Teacher, which which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourselves. Well, if you're listening to this message today, I want to let you know that you have made a difference in my life, and I'm sure you have made a difference in the lives of many. I love you, and I promise to try not to take you for granted. I need to remind myself daily that I should never take God's love for granted. He loved us so much, he was willing to sacrifice his son so that we would be covered with his forgiveness, grace, mercy, and love. Let us pray. Most merciful God and loving God, we all come before you today as broken sinners that have been forgiven in and through your son, Jesus Christ as he hung on the cross and absorbed all the pain we deserve so that our debt has been fully accounted for. Help us, Lord, to show our appreciation for that act and our love for you by not taking that love for granted and show our appreciation through sharing that same love with others. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And now... May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Go in peace, serve the Lord.